Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the D-Hoop University podcast. This is your host, Daryl Harris, also known as D-Hoopster. Happy November. Where 2023 has gone, you tell me. But we're here and the new NBA season is here and a lot else has happened. And I can't really wait to get into it. Recovering lost ground, but that's okay because there's always going to be more news in this crazy world of sports and wrestling. So, without further ado, my friends, let's talk some hoops, football, and of course, some wrestling. Well, 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 happy Halloween. (laughs) Happy belated Halloween, I suppose, because that's when you are likely listening to this, being that I'm recording just shortly after midnight, November 1st, and it's been some time since you guys have heard me over this airwaves, and that is not for lack of effort or lack of work being put in. I will just have to laugh off the month of October because, guys, it became a running joke. But I did so much stuff that didn't see the light of day. And in this new cycle, whether it's sports media, whether it's the actual, you know, hard news, which you guys know I work for as well. Shout out to Aid News Now. Things change so frequently that when things don't hit the airwaves immediately after, it's almost dated instantly. So over the course of the month, I did an emergency. Aces won the WNBA championship pod with Terrell. I did a Saturday afternoon what's the haps with Justin Walker. We did over an hour and a half of wrestling. You guys will get to hear that later on in this recording. But like I said, we did an hour and a half or so. I, we trimmed it to about 30 that I'm going to tack on to here. Um, covered the Aces Championship Parade. At, literally at work. I was in the field and got to be on the strip for that entire process. And talked a little bit about it after the fact. And that recording with Terrell is just lost now to the... Uh, Lost to the nether region, I suppose, because I've been also switching audio platforms. And in the midst of that, had a couple shaky episodes where I just I just said, you know, I can't do that to you guys. I can't jeopardize the quality of what we're doing on this pod. And I don't want to run away any listeners. But as I told you guys, this platform is going nowhere. And with the NBA back... How long did you really think it would be before you heard from me? Genuinely. How long did you think it would be? I I did a fantasy basketball preview. A in-depth one at that. (laughs) Going over my whole roster and whole draft and my new Zeta League categories. We're going to get into some of all that with due time. But the reason for tonight's emergency podcast, which thankfully didn't happen last night, 
when it was going to when James Harden got traded. And I said, you know what? Let me actually watch highlights back from tonight. Let me take in all these Monday night games, which we had a full slate. And then the trade happened at like 11 o'clock Pacific time. And I said, oh, if I do it now, I'll get a jump on all these, you know, day side recordings. And then we saw what happened with that. I just said, you know what? You guys have at it. Let me try and watch Raw a little bit and tie that into my wrestling stuff. Then Chris Broussard just, uh, <laughs> he squashed all the reporting. Because I, I didn't see a single headline, a single bit anywhere on social media today because he had some comments that were uh, not the kind you should make on national television. i leave it at that. So I said, you know what? Screw it. Not happening tonight. I'll probably shoot for Friday, which is our other scheduled release date. And then today, Halloween, I didn't take the day off. To be with Bash, which has kind of been a tradition as well. I, I work night side, so I, I, I miss a lot of Fourth of July so far and Halloween trick or treating nights. Um, and that'll change. I'll, I'll change in due time as well. No worries about that. But work tonight just because I said, hey, tonight might be, you know, eventful. It's Halloween. Let's just see how it goes. And eventful it was because. With about 45 minutes to go before we hit the airwaves at 11 o'clock. Headlines were almost done being produced. The show rundown was finished. I wasn't making any changes barring breaking news. And then guess what? We get a call from Tracy Wilson, my manager. And she said, hey guys, uh, Josh McDaniels just got fired. And we said, oh, really now? Well, we got some breaking news. Let, let's let's flip this show around. Let's let's kill headlines. Cold open, breaking news open. And, you know, we got to get right into it. We got to get Chris Matthews on air. We got to see what happened. We got to get some statements. We got to get some reactions. And uh, we got to report this to, to the world, <laughs> to the local Las Vegas community, at least, because that is our home team. You guys know I'm based out of Las Vegas. This is where home has been for me. Since 2018, a cool five years, going on six. And the Raiders debuted in Las Vegas in 2020. And I can vividly remember that because I worked at Elysian Stadium. I was a tour host there before it ever welcomed any fans, before the Raiders ever played a game there. I still know that stadium like the back of my hand. And that was when we had an entirely different head coach. That was the John Gruden era. And being that I was a tour host, I said, you know, not only did we have a, you know, lengthy script to memorize, I just did some more research because I'm interacting with diehard fans. And if you know anything about Raider Nation, the black hole, they have passionate fans. And the team has a rich, rich, rich history. I'm talking Al Davis. Talking Just Win, baby. I'm talking John Madden. I'm talking, you know, the Outlaw Raiders, the the L.A. Raiders, the Oakland Raiders, Oakland Coliseum, L.A. Coliseum. Now here at brand new stadium, Malaysian Stadium, we're hosting the Super Bowl this year in our own backyard. And over the summer, talked with JB the Ticket on this podcast, and 
we kind of shot for the stars. We said that this year for the Raiders, it's it's all or nothing. It's home run or bust because this town now that has three championships in the course of 18 months and this fan base, the Raider fan base, isn't going to tolerate even mediocrity. We have to get to winning. And though the Raiders were projected to finish last in the AFC West, JB and I both said, hey, this season, there's no excuse. There's no excuse for us to be sub-500. You know, we have an all-pro wide receiver, one of the best in the game. We have an all-pro running back, led the league in rushing. We have an all-pro defensive lineman, edge rusher. He's still doing his stuff. We revamped the defense, brought in some DBs, brought in a new quarterback this year. This was the Jimmy Garoppolo era. We got Derek Carr out of here who had been the face of the franchise going back to Oakland. And this year was really, hey, we don't have any leeway. Things need to turn around. And the season got off to a weird, weird first couple of weeks where we had some bad losses. I'm talking about Buffalo. I'm talking about, you know, escaping a Monday night victory against the Packers and Jordan Love that came down to the last play of the game essentially and you know we were flirting with 500 even up until this past week Monday night football again prime time and we got smacked by the Detroit Lions the score doesn't really indicate that it was a smacking but it was a smacking because the offense only mustered seven points we had a pick six courtesy of Marcus Peters one of those offseason additions and the final, I believe, was 26-14. to 14, But Detroit dominated us. Dominated time of possession. Dominated in terms of yards amassed. And, oh, yeah, told you we brought in Jimmy Garoppolo. What's the knock on him? That he's, in, that he's not durable. What's been the case this year? We had to start 40-year-old Brian Hoyer in an embarrassing loss to a quarterback who had never played in the NFL. So, things weren't going as planned this season. And that has essentially culminated in the firing of Josh McDaniels. You know, if you listen to Bill Simmons, guys like that, you know, there's pools around which head coach, betting pools around the first firing in the NFL. And I wouldn't have put my money on McDaniels because even as murky and untrustworthy as this team had been through eight weeks now in the NFL. Like I said, we were flirting with 500 and I still saw the bright spots in the team and I was hopeful that we would be able to pull our crap together for lack of a better word. And that just wasn't the case. And every single week, Fire Josh McDaniels was the pretty much (laughs) trending topic in Las Vegas on Twitter amongst Raider Nation. And you guys got your wish today, folks. I I don't know. I'm um, I'm no bigger a fan of McDaniels or a defender of his than the next person. But I definitely want to pull up a tweet. From my guy Terrell, 
that he said today. And it kind of shines a light. Me and him did this when we recorded our Aces Aces Championship podcast where we mentioned how it's different when you work and cover a team and form relationships with the players, with the staff members on just a personal basis. But they're also the team that you're semi-rooting for because it makes our jobs, literally, much better. When the teams are good. <laughs> Case in point, we're covering Aces Parades on the Strip with solo cups and getting t-shirts thrown at us. I got mine. I know that for sure. But Terrell had a great tweet tonight that I want to reference and I'm going to read it. He said, I know people are going to dogpile on Josh McDaniels, but I just had a conversation today about the level of professionalism he constantly showed. There's no way he didn't hear everything we as media said, and every time we saw him, we got the same Josh. Next tweet, to watch him end every post-game presser and go hug his family every game, no matter the outcome, really spoke volumes. If nothing else, I'm happy for my time around him for what I learned about family more than football. I know nobody will care, but I think it's worth noting. And end of his tweets. So, for one, I feel you, T., because that part will go overlooked. It's, you know, let, let's break the memes out time. It's, hey, hollow, happy Halloween. You got to, you know, trick or a treat. Josh McDaniels, it wasn't a good one. Blah, 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 blah. And we'll see where this runs tomorrow. But that is the bittersweet element of covering a team, working as part of sports media, And reacting to things in real time with the rest of the sports world. On my newscast tonight, like I said, flipped everything, breaking news. And Chris Matthews came up with script on, you know, right off the top. Chris Matthews is, uh, he's that guy in Las Vegas when it comes to sports. Pleasure to call him a colleague. And, (laughs) you know, you catch subtle flexes every now and then from, uh, it's not, it's just uh, part of the job. But, Early in Chris's script, he says, yeah, Mark Davis didn't return my call tonight, but he did release this statement. And I'm like, "Okay, Chris, <laughs> to let everybody know, hey, I got Mark Davis's number. But either way, you know, he's a person similar to Terrell, you know, who's like I said, talk to these guys, know these guys and just adds that personal element to the job that erases that in the typical coverage. So, you know, I wish the best for Josh. I don't think that everybody here is, you know, saying that we hope he never works again. That's not the case. But just in retrospect, I mean, hey, does the onus entirely fall on him? Without a doubt, it does not. But, but, like me and JB were saying, Something had to give, you know, this wasn't going to be a happy ending if the team wasn't winning games. And that wasn't the case. You know, do I think Garoppolo is the long term answer? I do not. I I think that Raider Nation would, would echo that in large. But he's the guy we got for the rest of the season. The trade deadline has come and it's gone. And we made no moves. 
We didn't make moves to go into the tank. We didn't make moves to try and get back in the playoff hunt. We got the same guys. And looking ahead now, we have Antonio Pierce stepping in as our interim head coach. And you know what's funny is that uh, the whole time, like I said, flipping scripts and seeing what's new. Okay, we have Champ Kelly coming in as interim GM, updating that in real time. And, yep. Antonio Pierce will serve as interim head coach, reading that script, check out, everything's good. It didn't click until I was on my way home that I was like, wait, Antonio Pierce, the former linebacker for the New York Giants, you know, I think he's got some Super Bowl experience. Looked quickly on the X on Twitter and, you know, saw, you know, guys say things about him, about how he's been a leader of men and that uh, that's his calling card. And like I said, defensive player in the NFL. And we know those New York Giants defenses were no joke. We're talking Michael Strahan, Osu Minura, Justin Tuck, you know, some real guys. And Tom Coughlin, you know what I'm saying? Some some real, real culture. And, you know, I'm looking forward to what he can do with this roster because, you know, the season still isn't over. <laughs> That's the crazy, crazy part. And it was beginning to look really bleak in terms of how many more games are the Raiders going to win. And it wasn't so much a reflection of the team. Like I said, we have talented players. But you could tell that McDaniels had probably lost the locker room. And that just boils over in in very head-scratching moments on the field. Whether it was a lack of effort defensively on some plays that got, you know, big spotlights or whether it was Devontae Adams dropping passes that we know he catches or Josh Jacobs wanting to let the media hear his entire uncut truth but just having to keep it professional and, you know, turn the other cheek, so to speak, and not lay it into him. But, I mean, the Raiders are 3-5. and you know, technically only a couple games out of playoff contention. A lot can happen. We are a little over a third coming up on halfway through the regular season. And we're about to get into cold weather football. That changes things. And in the AFC right now, there's teams that are in the playoffs like the Steelers and the Browns who we question if they're going to be there. Now, are the Raiders going to make their way up there? I I highly doubt it. I do, genuinely. The glass half full fan version of me who was rooting for this team? I mean, hey, one week at a time. You never know. But, I mean, we have teams like the Jets, Bengals, Texans, Chargers ahead of us. And, I mean, honestly, all those teams can lose games as well. So, you know... We'll see where things go looking forward with the Raiders, but that that's just kind of my piece on the immediate aftermath of Josh McDaniels being fired along with general manager Dave Ziegler. And wish those guys the best for the Raiders. Just win, baby. Come on. Jesus. We got a bye week coming up, so they will get a chance to regroup. I take that back. Our bye is week 13. These guys... Got four more games until that, and they are going to have to really, really, really 
you know, we'll see. We'll see very soon. Matter of fact, how this team turns things around because we have a afternoon primetime game against the Giants at home this Sunday that we are still two and a half point favorites for. So that just goes to show that, you know, as questionable as we've been, we're still favored against teams with a worse record than us. I don't know what that says about the Raiders or the Giants. We are going to move along because, like I said, so much has happened over the course of October in the real world, in my life, in the sports world. And we got to just, you know, try and catch up somewhere. So I gave a shout out to the Aces. I'm still proud of those those women for doing the city right, bringing another banner and going back to back. You best believe we are looking to three-peat. You bet your butts. We have the best coach in the league, a coach in Becky Hammond who is ready to, to be in the NBA at any moment. But Terrell and I talked about that as well. And since you guys aren't going to hear that, I'll, I'll reshare some of what he said again. He said that she she's earned the right to be arrogant in her decision. Not disrespectful, but arrogant in terms of, yeah, I might she might decline offers because she's waiting for the Spurs job. Or she might say, you know what? No, thank you. I'm just not interested. I'm going to stay with my girls over here. We're going to look to three-peat here. And if she is ready to call it, you know, uh, call it a day with the Aces and move on, she's earned that right as well. Because in her two years as a head coach, she's won the championships in both of them. So I'm really stoked and, you know, excited to get to cover this team year-round and see what the future holds for the Aces. But I just had to shout them out again. Now, let's talk some NBA because I haven't had the chance to do that yet since the season got underway. And the first story would be the Harden trade. But I'll get to that in about uh, five, ten minutes. You know where I'm starting. Lake show, baby. And this is just going to be a somewhat brief season forecast from D Hoop about what I'm hoping for and hoping to see from the Lakers and the keys to success for the season. Now, like I said, I had a, you know, recording that will not see the light of day about this as well, where I also kept it brief, but the points that I noted are jumping off the TV again. And it's even better now that I have four games to sort of digest and reflect upon this. And I'm still going to try and keep it brief because I got to get Omar on here, got to get Rashawn on here, and the three of us have to have the Lakers roundtable about what this season is going to be and what we're hoping for and, you know, meeting of the minds from from three different points of views to see what we're hoping for from the Lakers. But, of course, this is a championship window season. So anything less than that, we're not going to be fully satisfied. That was the case last year. We lost to the team that went on to win the chip. Did that feel good? No, because 
when teams beat the Lakers, they get this big, puffy chest. And I hate seeing that. But you earn that when you win. So Mike Malone, Denver Nuggets, City of Denver, hats off to you. You you took care of business on opening night as well in front of your home crowd. And, oh, my goodness, it's so annoying seeing all the Laker fans that want to pile on AD any chance they get. My Lakers preview for the season, forecast in a nutshell, is Anthony Davis for MVP. I am the captain. I am the chairman, the commissioner of that bandwagon. No, nowhere else. That is mine. That is the hoops. That is Daryl's. You're hearing it here. AD for MVP. And I said that in the recording before the season even tipped off. Like I said, you guys aren't going to hear. So I'm just adding context. Game one. Great. We got the Anthony Davis that we didn't want to see. 0 for 6 in the second half. Only, I think, one rebound the entire second half. Bring on the memes. Bring on the jokes. A Disney. You know, street clothes. Blah, 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 blah. Guys, Nikola Jokic is no joke. He's no joke. And coming away from that game one, I realized that, okay, yeah. Our strategy for the Nuggets has to be an emphasis throughout the season because we can't expect to make it to the finals and not have to go through them. We'll get lucky if some other team takes care of the Nuggets in the postseason. I doubt that's going to happen, honestly. They look fantastic. They haven't missed a beat. They've added another good rookie class to their roster that increased their depth, and the team's chemistry is completely carried over. So in that game, we learned that, yeah, let's go back to the bubble. Why did we have success against Nikola Jokic then? Because we had bruising bigs that made life difficult for him. Anthony Davis is the best defender in the league. The best defending big man, if you want to put a qualifier on it. And he will be a candidate for defensive player of the year. In that game, we realized that Nikola Jokic is not a one-man job. We should have. Did we know this already? Yes. Did the 4-0 sweep against the Nuggets last year, should that have pointed that out? It should have. But either way, we had a lot of roster reconstruction, and I love what they did. They brought in big bodies that can still stretch the floor. I'm talking Christian Wood, talking Torian Prince, talking Jackson Hayes. Not stretching the floor with Jackson Hayes, but he's a big body. He's athletic. I'm also talking we brought back Vanderbilt, and we still have AD, still have Rui, still have Braun. That's six or seven guys that run 6-8 and up and can crash the offensive boards, can crash the defensive boards, can play passing lanes, can switch. And when we're talking about specifically AD, Jackson Hayes, and Christian Wood, the three of them will have to be responsible for stopping guys like Nikola Jokic because in the bubble, it was Dwight, JaVale, and Anthony Davis with LeBron also in help side that got the job done against Jokic. So, game one... We didn't necessarily execute that plan. We have a brand new roster with a lot of more new faces than Denver had, so we had to figure that out still. And Anthony Davis' stat line, you know, he was lackluster. 17, 
eight and four in that game. Guess what he's done since then? Thirty and twelve, thirty and sixteen, twenty-six and nineteen. In each of those games, he also had three blocks. He also had multiple steals. He also had multiple assists, and he also shot over sixty percent from the floor in those three games. Two of which were wins. We lost in overtime to the Sacramento Kings. Guys, AD's not the problem. I need everybody, everybody, to take a step back and realize that Anthony Davis is great. I've been banging this drum since 2018. He is great. And history will be kind to Anthony Davis. So, let's appreciate the present and realize that, yeah, there's not another player in the league that can do what he does outside of a Giannis. But even then, he doesn't have the range defensively that Anthony Davis does. And, yeah, th- this team will go as far as he's willing to take us. And the reason I said he's in the, he's got to go for MVP this year, not that he needs the stat chase and that we need to have the best record in the league, but I think that if we perform to our ceiling, And if we max out as a squad, it will be because Anthony Davis is in the MVP conversation. And guys, we cannot forget that stretch of the season last year in December and January where Anthony Davis was putting up numbers like he did in the past three games for a stretch of about six to eight weeks that kept the Lakers' playoff hopes alive, period. If he didn't do that last year, have a stretch where he was clearly – the most dominant player in the league. We can't forget things like this happen. This is context. If he just consistently does him this season, and that is what we have seen so far, then we're going to be in good shape. Now, see, it is still early, and I know, like I said, you know, he does have a bad rap about certain things, so, you know, fingers are always crossed, and we're always hoping for good health. But this season, you know, it's really on AD's back because I've seen in four games that LeBron has got some juice still. We know the NBA season's a marathon that it really wears down. This is a good time to also reiterate the way that I look at the NBA season. I look at it in three stages. I look at it in pre-All-Star break. That's when, all right, let's find out who we are. Let's find out who the good version of whatever team we are is. And let's see where we need to improve. The second phase is post-All-Star until the playoffs. Okay, now the trade deadline is passed. Rosters are pretty much set in stone. Let's figure out what our rotation is. And let's either make that playoff push. Let's get healthy. Let's, you know, secure whatever spot that we want to for the postseason so that way we're really ready to go to war. And then phase three is the postseason. Just put up or shut up. We're we're playing our players heavy minutes. We are rolling with our guys. We are sticking to what we believe got us here. And we're going to count on guys to step up when we need to because things happen. Injuries happen. Suspensions happen. You know, foul trouble happens. So that's when you're tested to your – Very, very core. But right now we're in phase one. And in this phase, you know, that's all phase three. That's when guys are the most fatigued. And we saw LeBron playing through the foot injury last postseason. And it was clear as day. It was visible 
that even at an elder age in his career, he wasn't able to do the things that he could do even earlier in the season with a healthy foot. And right now, hey, that foot looks good. I'll tell you that. I've seen some drives and some finishes from LeBron that are very encouraging to start the season. So I think that we are going to manage LeBron and that his his minutes will be, you know, the the games that we need, they're going to throw the minute watch out the window. But the games that we also don't need, we might just take the L if he, you know, can only go for about 30 and the team can't get the job done the rest of the time, guess what? We will take those L's because that's going to show where guys need to step up and where guys need to get better. So that's my forecast essentially for the Lakers. The other key piece is D'Angelo Russell. After game one, I was mad. I was mad at D'Lo for sure. I said, we don't need this guy, man. We don't need him. And, you know, we brought in Gabe Vincent. I'm happy to let Gabe play the point guard spot and defend the other team's best point guards. We've seen him make big shots in the postseason with Miami Heat. I'm happy to let Braun play point guard, let Reeves play point guard in crunch time and facilitate. We, you know, also that means that a trade is probably in the works. So if we can get D'Lo out of here and replace that, you know, his contract is very tradable. It's in the mid it's in the low 20s annually. He signed that extension over the summer, and that jumped out to me as, ah, it's a tradable contract. Well, after game one, D'Angelo Russell said, hey, bro, chill out, chill out, chill out. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of nice. Let me remind you. And against Sacramento, he had some clutch shots. And like I said, we lost that game in OT, but it was clutch D-low. Against Orlando, he was massive, 28 points, 8 assists. Had the dunk on Paolo Bancaro, which I think nobody has ever seen D'Lo get a poster. And it just reminded us, because I I said this all last postseason, that the Lakers were undefeated when, AD could, when D'Lo could get us 18 or 19 points a game. We won every single one of those games. And did that happen one time against the Denver Nuggets? It didn't. Didn't happen. So... When D'Angelo Russell is a shot maker and a confident shot taker, there's a lot of chemistry with him in this lineup. So I'm happy to see D'Lo show me the signs that we need from him in these last couple of games. And I'm willing to wait it out and see what needs to be done. Last thing on the Lakers, Cam Reddish. Guys, let's collectively reset our expectations our preconceived notions of the player that Cam Reddish is and I want to insert here what I'm going to call real life theory I've got a couple theories when it comes to basketball I talked about the college resume theory the 2k theory things like that the real life theory Cam Reddish is 22 years old. Let me fact check that just so that I'm, you know, accurate on the pod. Cam Reddish is 24 years old. I'll take it back. There we go. 24 years old. He's been in the the league for about four to five years. 
he was a freshman at Duke, a part of that massive class with R.J. Baird and Zion Williamson, and he was one of the most touted high school prospects of the last 10 years. So we, the expectations for him were high. It, it was that of a Carmelo Anthony offensively with you know a defensive upside. And we have not seen that materialize in the NBA, and that's fine. I didn't go pull up exhibit A, B, C, and D of other guys who – you know, we thought we're going to be prolific professional players, but turned into very solid role players. But there's examples of that across every roster in the NBA. You know, there's only 300 or so jobs, roster spots. That's that's the running joke. And it's hard to maintain one. And guys realize as they mature as men and as they mature as players, that if I'm going to stay in the league, I've got to do what it takes to earn my spot. I think what Cam Reddish has become is a great perimeter defender. So, like I said, let's reset our expectations for Cam. Because guess what? Cam's never going to be leaned upon to average 15 on this Lakers team. Never. Never. Won't happen. Won't happen this year. If he comes back next year, it won't be next year. He's here the year after that. Wherever he's, you know, going to play. Cam Reddish won't be relied upon to be a primary scorer or facilitator in anybody's offense anymore. But that's perfectly fine. There is some great, great film. In just these four games of what Cam can do defensively. And once that confidence is up because he's on the court in meaningful moments, which I think he can earn because he's a better defender than Reeves, better defender than D'Angelo Russell, better defender, longer, taller, more athletic than guys like Gabe Vincent. I like him better on the perimeter than Rui. Rui can guard bigs, and that's great, but, you know, it's him and Vanderbilt that will have these unique options of, hey, I might be guarding the point guard or the two or I might be guarding the power forward and needing to crash. But I see that versatility defensively in Cam Reddish. And like I said, if he earns those minutes because that is noticed in the locker room, it's noticed on film, the coaching staff, guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis who are defensive masterminds and know how to play chess, once they realize that they are confident in what Cam Reddish can do, that's when the shots are going to start falling. And that's when we've unlocked that piece. Now, I just had to lay that out there because people are saying again how, man, get this guy to China, blah, 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 blah. Man, shut up, guys. Shut up. Your jokes aren't funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is real life. You know how much this guy has probably matured and how much he's even had to probably go through mentally from an 18, 19-year-old to this 24-year-old who's struggling to survive in the NBA when I had all this praise heaped upon me? Real life theory. I'm figuring out who I am as a man, as a person. I'm figuring out who I need to be in this NBA association to survive. I look at comments from guys like D'Angelo Russell where he said, 
into the press recently that, yeah, I'm trying to be that guy for Cam that a Joe Harris was to me in Brooklyn, where just showed me how to be a professional. And he said that he studied Joe and, you know, tried to beat him in routines day in and day out. And that he's trying to be that for Cam, which is, you know, reasons why I'd like to see D'Lo stay. I saw Darvin Ham make comments to the press about, yeah, no, it was a decision to to go with Cam Reddish early in the season over Max Christie because I want to see what we can get from him from the outset. That means there's intrigue amongst the coaching staff and what they're seeing day in and day out in practice from Cam Reddish. And I bet that it's not because he's going to go get us 30. I bet you it's because, hey, this fool can defend. And then he has all these fantastic traits that have just been waiting to be unleashed in him because the guy's got to find his confidence. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of factors at play working in Cam Reddish's favor because there's a lot of mature basketball minds on the Lakers roster and coaching staff and that uh, he could be a key to unlocking this team in the future. I said I was going to keep the Lakers stuff brief, but I told you guys, I didn't know how I was going to jump back in in terms of all the the coverage in real time that I've missed. And I just had to keep it real with you guys for this one. I made notes for the pod, but I said coming in that this was going to be no notes. I, I didn't really need them. I just needed to grab the mic. Didn't even turn the camera on. Just grab the mic, have a seat, and let it out. That's what's happening right now. <laughs> so I'm going to wrap up my Lakers talk there until we can get the round table, like I said, with Omar and Rashawn, which will happen very, very soon. But I'm encouraged. You know, I mean? I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing from these guys. Anthony Davis for MVP. Stand by and stay tuned on guys like D'Lo and Cam Reddish. I guess I got to talk about James Harden and the paper clips uh, across uh, – <laughs> across the way at crypto. I only say the paper clips because I think it's funny. I don't really hate the Clippers or have any any slight towards the Clippers. I was actually kind of high on the Clippers. They looked incredible on opening night. And they were playing the Portland Trailblazers, no less. And they've had a couple uh, slippery moments since already. So here these guys go again. This is what I've said about the Clippers on this podcast time and time again is that they have been throwing darts. That's the analogy that I feel like describes what the organization has been for the last four or five years in this Kawhi PG era. They've been throwing darts around the two of them every season in terms of, okay, this year we got Reggie Jackson next to you guys taking, you know, crunch time shots. Okay, this year we got, you know, let's go get Russell. You know, this year we got no Kawhi. This year we got no PG. Can you guys try and figure something out? And through it all, this may be the year where they are healthy, but that, that's that been said going into each and every season. Russell Westbrook looks comfortable in a Clippers jersey, and the team is showing love and embracing him. Head coach Ty Lue is doing just that and did that last postseason, and we all got to see that, yeah, Russell is not done. He's not done. He wasn't a schematic fit. In L.A. And that's okay. That being with the Lakers. He's been able to show that he still has a lot to give to the game. With the Clippers. And. 
you know, reports around the Harden situation, it's tough to even try and follow chronologically or anything like that because so much happens. And then, you know, it's almost every other season now the bombshell drops. Well, he's traded. He's in the new New Jersey. So Harden's a guy that I try to defend as well. He went to Artesia High School. That was literally around the corner from my high school, Gar High School, also in Artesia, and one of a few schools in our ABC Unified School District. So I just find that fun fact as a reason to root for the guy. We're from the same stomping grounds. More broadly, L.A. in general. So I root for all my L.A. hoopers, guys like Russ, you know, and I still don't know what to make of these Clippers. Uh, and, and I haven't been able to give it time of day because, honestly, we just got to wait and see. I think that, if anything, this is a long-term play, being that Harden's not in the position to turn down contracts anymore. He did that this past offseason thinking that something was going to work to his benefit with Philadelphia and their negotiations. Clearly, he lost trust with, with management and ownership along the way. And he's probably regretting the fact that he turned down a hefty contract that would have secured him financially for the next couple of years. So now that he's with the Clippers, this is actually a match made in heaven. He is probably on his last draw in teams of teams that are willing to genuinely throw a bone his direction. He's north of 30. Production has declined. It hasn't you know, falling into troublesome territory. Even last playoffs, he had a game winner and was putting up 30, you know. But it was their ability concerns. It was health and fitness concerns and off-the-court concerns to the point where organizations are not going to confidently give you the bag. Well, insert the L.A. Clippers, a team that doesn't have a draft pick now until 2029. That is their own in the first round. And that is a long time from now, guys. This is also a team that is building a new stadium, a brand new arena in Los Angeles, a sports market that it is easy to drown in. You got the USC Trojans. You got the LA Clippers. You got two football teams. We know the NFL is king. You got your hockey fans and your diehards that are Kings fans. You got the Dodgers. You got Shohei Otani. You got the Ducks even. You know what I'm saying? You got UCLA. You got all these college sports. You got the high school programs that are elite. The Clippers have almost never been top five in terms of L.A. sports relevance. So, if you need something or somebody to hang your hat on, to try and sell seats, to try and entice your fan base, or do anything like that, I guess you got that in Harden for the foreseeable future. <laughs> because teams aren't going to be lining up to give this guy money when is when he's a free agent this offseason. And the futures of Kawhi and Paul George are now also rounding out in its current phase in the Clippers because they're going to possibly hit the market this offseason. As will Russell Westbrook. So the future of this team is nothing but question marks. 
which follow years of underperforming with this massive, you know, duo that, you know, shook the NBA when it was announced that Paul George and Kawhi were teaming up. And that's that's not a uh, successful formula for any sports franchise. So the fact that they now have Harden, who is an L.A. native and is playing there professionally for the first time, you know, my guy might like it over there. Ty Lue's been a player's coach. That That's kind of been one of his calling cards in the NBA. And I think that he is going to just try his best to make sense out of what this team should be on the court. And we'll all just be down for the ride. We're not going to know anything definitive about this Clippers team until maybe February or March. Because guys are going to be in the lineup, out of the lineup, marquee game here, you know, nobody paying attention, Wednesday afternoon game here. So they're only going to be in the spotlight, you know, in their their real real televised games and marquee matchups. And in those games, we won't know who's playing. And we won't see the big four of Kawhi, PG, Harden, and Westbrook. But so many times, probably, you know, before the All-Star break. And until then, we just got to wait and see what it looks like. It's talented. Certainly is. You know, yeah, P.J. Tucker to that lineup. Maybe that's your maybe that's your crunch time five. Maybe it's Zubak. No idea. I'll leave that to Ty Lue to figure out. I will be interested in watching, so I'll be paying attention. But uh, the Clippers, man, throwing some more darts out there. <laughs> that's for sure. I referenced my fantasy basketball league earlier, my New Zealand league. These are some of the guys I got on my roster. Had the first overall pick, which I didn't love, didn't want to really have. And I'll preface this by saying this is a categories league. Categories is the way to play fantasy basketball. And you've probably missed the boat because leagues are already a week or two in for this year. But I'll be keeping you guys up to date with um, how my team's doing in this New Zeta League. My Greek Sigma bros from Baylor. But uh, I had the first pick, like I said, and um, really had to had to go Jokic. Had to go Jokic. And pick 20, you wouldn't believe it. These guys didn't take Anthony Davis in the first 20 picks. So guess what I did in the millisecond? I took Anthony Davis. He's power forward number one so far in the season. So happy about that. Ended up drafting guys that I also wanted to pay attention to that has worked and it's bit me in the same at the same time. Only, you know, one week into the season. But uh, just running down my roster, I got Cade Cunningham. Really excited for what he's going to do this season after missing pretty much all of last year. And we forgot the kind of poise the kind of crunch time player that Kate is and, you know, just this mature leader. That's, you know, what he gives on the court. So I really wanted to pay attention to Kate and I'll get the chance to, cause I got him on my fantasy squad. I got Kyrie who is Robin in Dallas right now. I like to say Dallas adopted Kyrie because he had this real uncertain future post Brooklyn Nets. And when he was looking for a trade and, Dallas kind of came out of nowhere and said, come on, Kyrie, we'll take you. And here's an extension. Let's do business together. I hope you like Dallas. I hope you like Luka. And um, 
Let, let's try and be a big happy family here. So Luke has been sensational to start the season as well. Just that's an aside, but got Kyrie. I have uh, Scoot Henderson who has not performed so far, and I was ready to drop him because I made the mistake of dropping Brandon Miller, who I drafted much later than Scoot, and Brandon Miller has been fantastic in terms of what you want to see from a rookie that you took in his first three games. He's been great, and you know there's a pathway for him to just be a very, very, very serviceable starting small forward in this league. And that's what he's going to look to do. Scoot, on the other hand, he's been struggling. But Anthony Simons has a thumb injury that's going to cause him to miss about a month. He's having surgery. So now Scoot really has, you know, this this next month to play alongside Malcolm Brogdon and kind of find his legs. So I'll be looking forward to that. Keegan Murray is also on my roster. I'm a big fan of Keegan Murray. He's a great three-point shooter and uh, just a good, good, good stretch forward in this league. And I have Alperin Shengun because I, I, you know, compared this to my fantasy football strategy where I loaded up on running backs and kind of hit a home run on the guys that I took. I wanted Travis Etienne. I have him on every roster. He's a top three running back in every fantasy format. I have Kenneth Walker on multiple teams. He's been killing it. I have Brees Hall because I saw that he was falling in drafts but I felt that he would turn things around by right about now, and that's exactly what he's done in the last couple of weeks. And in my D-Hoop league, I also have Derrick Henry. So I have those four running backs on one team in that league, and that, that's carried me to a 6-2 and two record first in the D-Hoop casual diehard fantasy football league. Hey, if y'all let me win, I'm calling it the D-Hoop Invitational. I'm sorry. <laughs> Back to basketball. Um, I have Shengun because my strategy after they let Anthony Davis fall to me and I already had Jokic, I said, if I get Shengun in this categories format, I will have three incredible bigs that are double, double threats night in and night out. And also, you know, provide ancillary stats, whether that's defensive stats with blocks and steals from AD or that's the assists from guys like Jokic and Shengun. Shangun so far, averaging 29 and 7. I like it. I like Shangun a lot. If you go to my Twitter page and search his last name, you'll see my tweets about him from Summer League, his rookie season, and I was enamored immediately. I think this guy's going to be great. He had the growth spurt over the summer. He's about 7 foot now. And um, my guy's got game. He's got all sorts of game, all sorts of post moves and footwork and skill. That that's really a baby Jokic. So these guys messed around. Let me get them all on my roster. I've got some other guys on the team like Andrew Wiggins, Walker Kessler, Draymond, and uh, it's going to be a fun season. I want my first matchup. I'm nine and I'm I'm nine and two in the league because categories. You uh you know just go find out how to play categories. That that that'll save me some time. But those are the guys that I'm kind of paying attention to this year. Fantasy-wise and NBA-wise, of course. And, I mean, Wimbenyama's had a great uh, – I take it back. He's, you know, he's had, he had a, he's had a great flash so far. I don't know how the hell Phoenix choked tonight. I'm going to watch those highlights soon after I get off of here as well. But, you know, everything else in the NBA is, you know, 
will be addressed in more detail moving forward. Let's just say that. But it's been an eventful first week, especially coming off of this James Harden trade. So there we go. There's that. I'm going to finally talk some wrestling before I tee up this Justin Walker recording. I can't wait for Crown Jewel to see what LA Knight does against Roman Reigns. The last time I talked to wrestling on here was September 12th, and I was referencing some backstage segments involving LA Knight and Paul Heyman and said that, guys, remember Paul Heyman said on the Island of Relevancy, you always have to be three steps ahead. He said that to Sami Zayn leading up to the Royal Rumble when the big turn happened. And since then, I made a point to remember that because everything that Paul Heyman does and has done since then has been indicative of what's to come in storyline. So at that point, I knew that when Roman Reigns returned, there would probably be an encounter with L.A. Knight waiting in the works. And lo and behold, we have it. Me and Justin have had massive, massive debates every single day (laughs) since then about whether or not this was the right call. And honestly, I still think that it is in the sense of put your best product forward and we're only going to get a handful of Roman defenses and storylines before we get to WrestleMania next year. And we can't have our cake and eat it too. We can't get the LA Knight story against Roman and the Cody Rhodes story paying off somehow at WrestleMania. So if that's going to be the case, let's do this while we can because there's no guarantee that his momentum will carry all the way through for the next four to five months. So I'm a fan of going for it and seeing one show at a time, you know, what the right call is going forward. But I think that we all enjoyed what LA Knight did on camera with Roman Reigns last Friday on SmackDown. And if that's the case, we're probably going to enjoy what we see Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, maybe in Crown Jewel. So I really can't wait for that. But Justin and I recorded this a little while back, fresh off of his one-on-one sit-down interview with Austin Theory, which was on the heels of his appearance on SmackDown with The Rock. So we had a lot to uh, have fun with in this recording. So I'm going to leave you guys with that. Of course, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe. So that way you catch everything that the show has going forward. But without further ado, here's me and Justin. But this week was a, this was a pretty cool week because you're fresh off of your interview with the 150 million hitman. That's, that's what they call him. We're talking about Austin theory. Um, and if you didn't know, he, he, that phrase was coined in his interview with with Justin, I won't have it anywhere else. I had never heard it prior to that. Was it on? I don't know if I had either. I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know. Somehow, though, when I was talking to him, I knew exactly what he meant, though. So yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe it had come up somewhere else. I mean, I'm sure he's used it. I just, I just, I hadn't heard it yet. <laughs> it's funny because we were laughing um, post you guys' recording and, you know, in between and after you got it up and everywhere. By all means, folks, you guys go check that out. You will see a link attached to this post. Um, but we were like, hey, is this a thing? So the whole point of speaking with uh, Austin, since uh, since he got his first name back, I'll use it. Uh, the whole point was uh, kind of talking about the uh, future event here in uh, here in Las Vegas at the uh, MGM Grand Garden. They are uh, they are visiting on. Uh, ooh, gonna pull this from my brain here. I believe it's December 29th uh, for what seems to be a house show. Which is weird because that's a Friday, and Friday house shows you would think it'd be SmackDown, but maybe they've got something else going on. So that sounds pretty cool. Talk to him about that. Had to go back to that big moment uh, where he won in Las Vegas the Money in the Bank, and you know, I before I talked to him, uh, I didn't know this little detail he shared at the end of uh, of talking about that night. Man, uh, it was really cool. Last time I was in Vegas, uh, we were in the MGM Grand Arena. Uh, I faced Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. Uh, unfortunately, I came up a little short in that match, but, uh, you know, I'm not used to that, so whatever. Uh, went on to the Money in the Bank ladder match that night. I was not 100% at all, you know. I had a tough match with Bobby, but what did I do? I went in there and became the youngest Mr. Money in the Bank right there in Las Vegas, Nevada. How about that? So it's ironic that... You got Austin because I, you know, he, he's your guy now because you got the chance to kind of chop it up with him right now. So I don't know if it's a character flaw in me, but whenever I uh, interview somebody or anything like that, I become their biggest fan. Uh, and uh, that's going to be the same with Austin because uh, he was a great guy. A great guy. And there's one other clip I want to reference from that. Because okay. I'll, I'll set it up in saying uh, a couple episodes back when I was discussing The Rock's return and his segment with Austin Theory, the first thing I said about the episode featuring The Rock was, hey, man, shout out to my guy Austin Theory. Because I like Theory, man. I think, um, and I said on, this, on that episode, I'll say it again here, I was like, he reminds me of a younger, of a, not a younger, but he reminds me of Randy Orton in the first leg of his career. Like, you know that somebody's doing a solid job when the powers that be over at the E decide to put you in every situation with the celebrity or the guest. It means you're a solid worker that can carry somebody who may not have been in there for a long time. Now, we know Rock is, it's like, it's like riding a bike for him. Like, he's fine. Same thing for Stone Cold, as it turns out. We didn't know that for sure. Uh, Vince, I don't know. Sure. <laughs> Probably not. But but it's one of those situations where it's like you know who they trust when they put you in there with in, in the celebrity situations. And the other person that they were doing it with a lot was, uh, was Sami Zayn. And we know how that's gone. So, You know, I think that sooner or later he will get the gimmick that sort of 
sends this guy to the next stratosphere. He was talking to me about uh, about his future rivals and who. Well, the question I asked him is, who do you see as the the Batman to your Joker? And I asked that in a sense because I was acknowledging him as a heel uh, in that situation. His response was kind of interesting and kind of telling. Roll, roll the tape. Man, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, of good options there, you know, like uh, Dominic Mysterio, me and him are the same age. So that's something, you know, as much as they hate him and uh, who's to know, you know, maybe they'll like me and I'll be the good guy for everybody. Who knows? But maybe me and him, that's the Batman and the Joker there. Or um, there's guys like Bronson Reed. Um, there's guys like Grayson Waller. Um, just all these guys, you know, Carmelo Hayes, somebody that's in NXT, but definitely will be on the main roster. That's something that, you know, we could possibly see. So, and maybe, you know, maybe I'm the Joker. Maybe I'm the bad guy, but I don't think I'm a bad guy at all. You know, not at all. That, to me, sounds like a guy who's waiting to turn face. It doesn't hurt. Okay, so I was talking to, I was talking to my dad about this because I showed him the clip, that, uh, the clips, uh, the video version of what, we're, what we just played. And um, the, the interesting thing is my dad was like, he just seems like a nice guy. Like, he seems like a really nice guy. He's trying. He's trying his best to be a... Uh, to be like the you know the 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 dastardly heel but he just seems like a nice dude and i i really think he is and we also spoke to this too you, you know young guy walk in you earn trust of the company you're probably not a massive jerk <laughs> yeah just we did talk about not, that that's not the way companies work generally no, you know like and that. especially when you're dealing with somebody like you know like you know, Hunter, who's now a family man, you know, and he's probably more of a family man than Vince McMahon ever was, it seems, you know, and it just, I don't think you can walk inside and be a, as the crowd said uh, to him when The Rock was out there, a, an a-hole and really get the type of positioning and the type of, the type of uh, love that he's gotten from the company. You're absolutely right. There's no way. And plus, and then you hear things, you know, from other people. And I've heard that sentiment that, like, he can't pull off the heel. Well, why can't he pull off the heel? Because he's too nice of a guy in real life. I've heard that sentiment online. Uh, that's got to be there's, – where there's smoke, there's fire here. So I say – I say turn the man face. Come on. It's we're, time. We're, start, we're starting that here. This turn Austin face. The, the, the movement – begins here when, when it starts buzzing on on the x or the twitter or whatever wrestling uh discord you know you guys are in just know it started here it started with his interview and then formally again but we're gonna get this guy uh turned face in uh the year 2024 how about that it's got to it's the it's the uh the face it's the baby face war of 24 <laughs> that's what that's what it is it's gonna happen fighting for it and and the Amazing thing about what we were just talking about, the Batman of the Joker, and he named a few a few people here. And the first person he named was maybe, maybe, with the exception of one big dog, the best heel in the industry right now, Dom Mysterio. Man, dude, I want to see that. I want to see face Austin Theory versus heel Dom Mysterio. Yes, 
Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. want that. That's amazing. No, man. Dom. Dom, Dom. I've also been a Dom guy. And didn't, you know, necessarily know exactly why for a while now. But it doesn't matter anymore. Hmm. Because the guy is just. He's gotten booed out of every arena for six or seven months now. It's yeah, incredible. this didn't stop. This is not this something is that was a flash in the pan. Everybody loves – it's like singing – I think booing Dom has become like singing Seth Rollins' song or like like going, whoa, whenever, whenever Cody comes out. It is the thing you do. It's like saying, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's something that you do. It's like uh, how we feel. What were we robbed of at the AEW show? We went to see. We wanted to see. It was uh, Adam Cole, baby. We we didn't get to do Adam Cole, baby. Because Not in any meaningful way. It was it was very very yeah. It was, it was, he uh, he didn't do his was, full entrance because the the stupid match. It was match an- that anarchy in. in the arena, was it? Anar- no, it was I wish it was anarchy. I wish it was. No, it was. Uh, it was just a street oh, God, fight or it was what? With Jericho. It was with Jericho. It was like a street fight type had, thing. Yeah. Yeah, they had the band playing. Whatever match it was, there was no rules. They fought through the crowd. They went right behind Justin. <laughs> no, <laughs> but no, no, that was Anarchy in the Arena, but that was uh that was the BCC and the Elite. Oh uh, right. They had a single This one match was with Jericho. Yeah. Just right. right it's Sabu. Right. Remember it, Sabu was there for some <laughs> uh, some reason that doesn't doesn't make any sense. I don't right. want to be critical. There is an AEW championship over my shoulder. I'm a fan of the company, but that was that was uh, that was kind of garbage. <laughs> Shout out to the uh, Triple B's uh, <laughs> standard identity twin brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. The evil twin. The BBB is the evil twin. This one's the uh, this one's right. the baby face. But no, yeah, no. Uh, booing Dom is. That's what's included in your price of admission when he's on the, when he's on the ticket. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's, it's things, crowd pops that you know yeah. are are just hand in hand with the product. It's one of those things but, uh, that you do, and and what's interesting, and and I don't want to get too in the weeds here, but I feel like that speaks a little bit to wrestling as a product as a whole and the way it's going right now because um, people like to play along. It's become a it's become more even in the attitude era there weren't like there were a few things that you did like Triple H came out and you did and you said like are you ready let's get ready to you know what you know and then like there were things that people repeated and like you yelled hell yeah whenever stone cold but but this has become a a, a real interactive show you get to go be part of the show now uh, and it hadn't been that way since the Attitude Era? I mean, think about Ruthless Aggression. When was the last time that there were things that you would like shout, you would shout out in any meaningful way? Like, maybe you can't see me? Like, does that count? During um, the five knuckle, yeah. 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 Not, there's not, a few. There's, there's a few things. There's a lot now. There's currently yeah. a lot. That's a good thing. I mean, it's probably, it means that the fans are engaged. And that oh, things I love are it. I mean, I love it. That's one of my favorite parts. Singing along to all the songs. There's so many singable songs. One's in the air. Let me talk to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This segment that we'll sort of wrap up with was your idea, and I loved it. And it is the current generation Mount Rushmore of wrestlers. No legends. You must be going right now. 
and full-time. not at, and not in a legend capacity. So yeah, no no stingers. Well, you know what? One thing we we're talking full time here, right? One no, thing we didn't say, discuss. No, we right. didn't discuss it. And and I, I'll let you make the call on this. Are we including him? Is he included? Roman? Of course, Roman. <laughs> He's included. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Fair enough. That may make me change my uh, my list a little bit. <laughs> I'd be curious to hear what your list is. That doesn't happen because I get somebody else's spot. Because yeah. mine, I feel like mine's just sort of boring. Um, but do, do you you want me to want me to run this down real quick? Yeah, you do yours, and I'll I'll come in. I'm I'm sure we'll overlap a bit here. So I have uh, Joe Anawaii, Roman Reigns, the Tribal Chief, and the Big Dog. Had to get that on record. All right. Um, actually, I have. Oh God! <laughs> so I do have Roman. It goes without saying. Of course, of course, of course. One, one's up. Max. All right. Okay. Maxwell Jacob Friedman MJF. He is the. Uh, he is the face of the non WWE wrestling world, and at least domestically, mm-hmm. and. He's uh, you know, or he well, give me your, so so before we keep going because I like your first two, it's good. But like, tell me how are you gauging it? Because I have, I might have a different way of gauging than you do. Ultimately, I don't know because that's when we talk Mount Rushmores. There's yeah. no group. There's no rubric. It's not right. person. It's not top four. Okay. It's so a, we are a, doing it the same way because yeah. I'm, I was doing it by feel, like how it makes me feel when I see this person wrestle. So yeah, so we're doing it the same way essentially, right? Like I, I don't if I knew the story behind the the construction of the of the uh, of the Mount Rushmore figure itself and why those yeah. presidents were selected. If I knew it right away, then maybe I would apply some different logic into it. But it's kind yeah. of just like I don't know these yeah. four. We're just gonna shout out to them. <laughs> like I'm vibing them. Uh, like they, they, I, I, I like their vibe. Yeah. No, I get you. I get you. Okay. All right. Sort of, so you sort got of the, sort of the pillars. Yeah. No, I, don't, don't, don't do the pillars. No. But you got Joe. All right. You got uh, Samoa Joe. <laughs> I have yes. I have. Uh... Which is kind of confusing, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> Bloodline Joe. Bloodline uh, Joe. All right. Seth. Freaking freaking. All right, I got, I, got, I got I got the Seth man there because um, Mr. F. Rollins. Yeah, if there was no Roman Reigns, our guy would be the most successful guy, face of the company, leader of the company, okay. and he's just he's proved that with his work. Like you know okay. what I mean, with being there, with with wrestling, with wrestling to injury, with having good matches, and just you know attention to detail, the story, the character, the gimmick, the how he's fine tuned it. And, how it's connected with the audience as well, um, because if we remember the, the 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 architect started as a straight heel. The architect goes all the way back oh, to yeah. the Monday Night. The architect or uh, the visionary, revolutionary Seth Embrace the Freakin, Yeah, it goes all the way back to the Monday Night Messiah. Of oh the, yeah, oh before that even. Yeah, but yes, of the uh, Superdome era. I don't know what it was called. <laughs> Thunderdome. Thunderdome. <laughs> Right, so God. you know, hats off, and that's on top we will of- never we'll never revisit. By the way, uh, like brief aside, we're never going to revisit any of that. 
no matter how good the work was that was put in in the Thunderdome, I'm never watching any of it again. I hated that time, and I don't ever want to see anything like that again. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah. Uh, anyway, okay, so you got three down. We've got Samoa Joe, a.k.a. Roman Reigns. We've got Seth F. Rollins. We've got Maxwell Jacob Freeman, who's better than you, and you know it. What's your number eight. four? Oh man, this one's tough. This one's ah, tough. Ah, he hadn't decided yet. I thought you knew. No, I do, I do, I do. I'm look, I'm looking at the two names that I have written down and just gotcha. saying which one do I. There's a slash in the middle, and which one do I want to now decide who gets Ooh. it? And Ooh. I don't want to say who is between. Okay. Um, we'll we'll get a shout I, out for the leftover. I am going to give this one to. Becky Lynch. Nice. Nice. That's a good, that's a solid pick. Who was your alternate? I got to know. Charlotte. Okay. I think you made the right choice. And I know that I'm a Charlotte Homer, actually. So, that, oh, that I'm not a Charlotte me. hater by any means, right. but no, there's only one of those two people that has done, that has done good face work, that has worked as both a face and a heel. And that's Becky. Charlotte has still not proven that she can be a face, and I, I need to and, see and that really, before she goes on Rushmore. Yeah. And given the rub, you know, she's got she's got a rub out here. Yeah. Um. And I well, so for one, I just felt a woman had to be on it, and that's, that's fine. Fair. If doesn't. I, don't I don't have that. I don't have I that. So that makes me a horrible sexist, and that's I guess we'll go with it. <laughs> I didn't want that to set up to yours. No, you did. You did. You did. And that's you know. <laughs> you made it. You made a call there, and that's fine. I, I had to fall on the sword for one of us, so that way we both weren't. Excellent, excellent. Whatever. Yes. Questioning Moving every on. decision I've ever made at this point. I it maybe Mercedes is a better one. It would be the more ah. popular one, but if we're keeping it a a thou wow, mm-hmm. there's more work to point to with Becky Lynch. There's you know what? More. My Rushmore uh, is just going to be the four horsewomen. That's why it, completely redeemed. I'm just going to call it. It's, it's Becky. It's Charlotte. It's Bailey, and Mercedes. No Bianca. You are a terrible person. Wow. I she said the four horsewomen. <laughs> you can't get Bianca Belair on there. You are a despicable person. Wow. How? <laughs> just fighting. Just showing. You can find a way to hate. You can hate on it. I quit. I quit. <laughs> And you know what? I didn't give Bianca equal consideration for that spot. And that that I now don't think she's three- there yet. We're talking Rushmore, man. But that's the, You're putting that's this person on the same the same the side thing. of the rock as Roman Reigns. Are you Bianca? Real? I mean she's not she's arguably. she's cool. I you know, I, I like Bianca. We're talking right now, arguably. Yeah. And predicting what, you know, is Fingers crossed in their in their future. It's kind of like I, you know, one could make. Like the I'm argument. not putting a spoiler alert. I'm not putting theory on mine, even though I think he's potentially the history and he's my guy now. But you know, that's because he's the future. I don't think he's the right now quite yet. My mine's yeah. going to be controversial. I'm realizing that right now. Now let me hear yours because, like I said, I my gripe with mine's was that it seemed boring. So okay. And I'm sorry, you know, hey, the Kenny's, the other, you know, the guy's like, I'll let you go, and then we'll mention names. Okay, all right, all right, all right. 
because we've decided to include him, I do have an alternate that was side by side with him, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put Roman Reigns on there. I, I don't think you really can, even though he's not maybe a full time guy. But uh, I'm gonna put my ones up in this case, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going acknowledge to acknowledge him. my tribal chief. I am. That's it. I'm doing it. Um. All right this this one might be controversial. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the one that might not be as controversial. I'm gonna put. Uh, Cody Rhodes on the list. Ooh, uh, I goo, I goo. Uh, did you Cody, forget him? Cody, Cody should have been on there. Cody, Cody's on there. I like it. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Yep. So I'm gonna put him on. Just something about that guy when he comes out, the way he fires up a crowd, the way he's just a a Hogan style face. Just us. You know, take say your prayers, take your vitamins. He's and he's working. He is. There's something about it that's magic for me, and will it run out? Will it will it stop one day? Probably, uh, but until then, I'm loving it. So I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep him. He's on my Rushmore. Um, I'm gonna jump to the other league for the third entry here, and he's also on yours. We're talking about Maxwell Jacob Friedman. He's a great guy. I just think he's one of the best going in the industry right now, uh, and uh, I think. He's our scumbag. He's our he, beloved he's, scumbag. He really is. He's better than you, and he knows it. Uh, here's where the controversy is going to be. Are you ready? Are you ready? You ready to chew me out on this one? Uh oh. I, I, I think. Look, it, should I try and guess this? You can. We can. We can do that. I don't know that you're going to, but oh, uh, you might. You could. You you know my you know my wrestling taste pretty well. Orange Cassidy. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> He does not have a catchphrase. I don't know if you knew that about him. Orange Cassidy, he's one of the he needs a world title. And look, he doesn't work in WWE. He doesn't. If you put him over there, he doesn't work. But in AEW, I think he's one of the best things they have going. I'll be honest with you. I love his hey, work. Man, he, he has legitimate claim to wrestler of the year of 2023. Oh, I think so. Nobody's wor- outworking. Nobody's Period. outworking Orange Cassidy right now. Not really. So he's he is number 4. That's my that's my list and I, I did have an alternate if we weren't going to include uh Bloodline Joe uh on the list. My uh you want to guess who my alternate was who was going to replace Bloodline Joe right now is the and once again this is my this is my list. This is me just the way I feel about people when they come out, the way I feel about matches leading up to it, you know, this is this isn't a, a mathematical. This person is made most for the company. This person is is, yeah. you know, it's just how I feel, you know. Uh in WWE or is it in AW? Uh, I could tell you that. You want me to tell you that WWE? Yeah, because okay, um, Chad Gable. No, God, he's good though. He's good. Though. No, it's not. It's not either one of those. I uh, Gunther, Gunther, Gunther has claimed to be on this Mount Rushmore. Gunther's Gunther's on like the 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 second level Mount Rushmore. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. He, he's he he's gonna get there. No, yeah. uh, yeah, no. My alternate that if Roman was not available, it was gonna be uh, with Just everybody me. saying L A night. Yeah. Uh, this rush, no matter what, whether it's basketball, 
whether it's presidents, whether it is wrestlers, the Mount Rushmore throw it on the whiteboard topic always delivers. It does. It does. <laughs> hey, what is so so uh, impromptu? What is your Mount Rushmore of Mount Rushmore questions? I'm totally joking. Don't please don't. We don't have time. We don't have time. That would be amazing though. One you day we're gonna do them. You're going to do Mount Rushmore of Mount Rushmore's. I'd say Mount Rushmore of modern modern wrestling is on the Mount Rushmore of Mount Rushmore's. That's a great – and this was great. Dude. This was great because, yeah, Gunther should probably be on there. Yeah. LA Knight, uh, if we're well, he talking will about, be. I think Gunther will find his way there. Yeah. One way or another. But then it comes down to what's the rubric? And then it's all we don't know. Yeah. And, and and also none of your business. Like it doesn't like don't don't worry about it. You know, it's it is your Mount Rushmore, not anybody else's. You know, and also stay tuned because we are going to uh, put AI art to the test and we're going to visualize these Mount Rushmores. <laughs> I love that. We should do that. That would be great. There we go, man. Just let us know where uh, we can find you. Just shout out your Twitter handle so I can I can so I can chuckle. Yeah, man. Justin Walker, JUS10 Walker, the number 10. I had to, they wouldn't give me Justin Walker. They wouldn't do it. I, I asked. I, I hit up Elon. He said no, man. Hey, man. Try again. Try again. You know? Nah, you know. Well, maybe now that I'm verified, it's like, man, I'm paying you eight bucks a month. Can you, uh, can you give me the uh, name? Can this, can this guy no longer have it? Can I get my name, image, and likeness back? Yeah, give me the nil. Give me the NIL, man. This was good stuff, brother. I appreciate it, man. And uh, everybody, by all means, follow this guy. Pay attention to his work. Uh, leave this episode a review. Appreciate it as much. And uh, watch the product. Yeah. Acknowledge your tribal team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>